Hang on. Oh, it's 5 p.m. Why the fuck are we playing a home game at 5 p.m.? Because it's against Montreal? I Get don't know. Get the fuck out of here, NHL. It's because it's against Montreal. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's a Saturday. It's fine. It's a Saturday, but we gotta bend over backwards to the eastern side of Canada because they can't stay up till 10 to watch the start of a... Yeah, I wouldn't stay up either. What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up, and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It is the Andy Sutton episode number 25. You chose Andy Sutton, of all people? Of all those lists. We literally have somebody wearing 25 on the team right now. No, I understand that. (laughs) That's the the gimmick, man. I, I guess that's true. We need to go with very obscure players i should have went just i i should have went with my career i would have preferred yoni pitkinen that's a good one i didn't know chris colanos played for the oilers chris colanos oh yeah he did look at that yeah it, weird it really looks like nobody of merit really wore the jersey that i personally have heard of until my career yeah is that like mike stapleton of of chicklets stapleton I have I no idea. I hear Stapleton. I think Chris Stapleton. So that's the only one I it's know. A, yeah, it's a pretty pretty good one to compare to. Anyways, uh, how's it going? <laughs> this it's going good. I feel like this is how all of our episodes start. Yeah, we always have to start with just random banter about random bullshit until <laughs> we actually get into the meat of it. No kidding. No kidding. Holy shit, it's cold outside. Uh, winter is upon us. Um, but the, the season's in full swing. I mean, uh, since we last recorded, uh, the Oilers played New York. Um times two i guess and uh florida i hate the freaking like eastern swing we're on right now just eastern teams i don't love it it feels like the games have less weight like i believe edmonton's played the least amount of games against divisional opponents thus far which might make it more fun down the stretch Mm -hmm. to be fair because we're going to be playing a lot of games against la games against like anaheim seattle um, and they're all going to have playoff implications, especially because LA and Seattle are actually pretty good this year. You know what I was going to say is it's funny how at the start of the season we were complaining that there's going to be no Calgary games that have like playoff implications, but there might not be a point at the end of the season anyway. I mean, at this point, it's like wild card <laughs> spot number two implications versus fighting for first in the division, which is what the expectation was. No kidding. Seattle's on a heater this year. Like, I cannot believe the run that they're on. Yeah, it's Martin Jones is on a heater. They figured yeah, out, they're yeah, like, oh, we yeah. have a decent goalie this year instead of the corpse <laughs> of Chris Drieger and uh, Grubauer. That's right. They yeah. were both terrible last year, and he's been fantastic. Yeah. I, I don't. When's the first time we face Seattle? Is that? It's got to be soon. I haven't checked the yeah. schedule, to be perfectly fair. I mean, I don't only... have the game against Seattle saved in my brain, unfortunately. <laughs> I sit here and click through until I find it, but go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to wrap up quickly. So uh, the Oilers lose 3 nothing to the Islanders last Thursday. They go into New York. We've got a couple games that we really want to get into, especially with Saturday and last night's game. Of course, we're recording here Tuesday evening, uh, the night after the, uh, the big Florida win, the comeback there, uh, on the heels of a, a Saturday comeback win, which was even bigger, but... Uh, I got to start by pumping my own tires. I am on a fucking heater. I don't know if you've listened to the last episode, but I said we need to move dry side out of the wing. 
And I also said that the first goal that Bouchard's going to score is a rocket on a wrist shot because he's just <laughs> overthinking things. Well, you weren't wrong. I, I remember in the, was it the Islanders game? They put dry saddle on the wing. And all I could think is like, I can't wait to talk to Greg about this because I know he's going to be so happy. But then it didn't work out against the Islanders at all. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that game. Cause it was kind of weird. Um, I don't know about you, but I found like the Oilers just, they played a really good game. I just felt like they couldn't capitalize on any of the, the chances that they had. Like Sorokin was. Well, Sorokin, Sorokin, he's the best goalie in the league this year. Um, I think by a country mile. <laughs> and with that being said, he was also great last year. And the Islanders defensive system, like, yes, they gave up 50 shots, but really how many of those were like danger, danger chances? Maybe like, I would say five. Where yeah. The like play-by-play announcers getting excited, like, oh, what a save, Sorokin! So most of them were from the outside, not really too high danger. I was reading some comments from some Islanders fans who pretty much were talking like they had their hands on their back of their head, just chilled in their chair, being like, "Yeah, I wasn't worried at all." <laughs> but when your team gives up fifty shots, like you've got to be a little bit concerned, you'd think. Yeah, I I mean they they seem to force everything out to the outside of the the. Uh their defensive end and, and making Edmonton just kind of like put pucks on net to try for something. Um, kind of a theme that I've seen with the Edmonton Oilers over the past week and a little bit extra is they're starting to, they're starting to win the, the shots competition each game. Yeah. They're really bringing it to each game um, and actually maintaining offensive zone possession. People are bobbling the puck a little bit less, seem to be a little bit more confident with the puck on their stick mm-hmm. um, because that's a huge problem with Edmonton is they would get possession, but then somebody would just bobble the puck a little bit. Like, I'm just going to use Pugliarvi as an example where it'd be like a grenade on his stick where he would just panic and throw it away to nobody sometimes. Yeah. And that was a huge problem, but they've been getting the cycle going um, and have been quite good on rushes, getting whether it's getting the puck deep or maintaining possession, being able to skate into the zone and sit in the corner for a little bit. Yeah. But all in all, I think they're just shaking off the rust and yeah. really settling into the way that they need to play. It's funny because it, was it last week we hit the panic button? I don't know if the panic button's the right word to use. I think we did mention that like this is the time you want to battle adversity, like you want to get through it. And uh, I think you're starting to see wins that like you wouldn't expect. That New York game on Saturday, no fucking thought in the mind that they'd come back from that game. I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. I left the game recording. But after the second period, I got up and I went to the dog park with my dog. And I was just like, <laughs> I'll come watch this game later because I was quite livid after the yeah. second period. See, I had to travel to central Alberta for a, a family thing. And uh, it was 3 nothing, And I was like, this is this is so bad. And I had my phone off for like the entire afternoon. I was like, how bad was it? And I flipped on my phone because I was like, what am I going to like? Is it worth even watching when I get home? And I was like, oh. Holy shit! Is it the right game? Like, but um, <laughs> before we get into the New York game, just any thoughts around the the Islanders showing, other than the just the shots and just getting goalied? Honestly, yeah. In general, we just got goalied. I thought the team played decently well, um, but ultimately we still gave up three goals. You can't expect to win giving up three plus goals every game. Um, because if you do, you might have to make a miraculous comeback or two. <laughs> the sticks in front is still something that like drives me nuts, and we saw it like through well basically every single game. 
um, this past week, but it's just the the bad luck to go off of uh, Bouchard on the second Pajot goal. Um, I just I feel like the Oilers' still biggest weakness is like the battle like right in their slot. Um, well, and you we might as well move on to it. Like you move on to the Rangers game. Sure. I believe it was the third goal where it was like three Rangers players in front five Oilers players and everyone's scrambling mm. and somehow it ends with a Rangers player being wide open able to bury it into an empty net because Campbell has no fucking clue where the yeah. puck is yeah if it's the same uh, same goal that you're talking about I I felt bad because Dylan Holloway had a broken stick and he's basically doing everything he can but he's ultimately the guy blocking the guy with the puck and of course when you don't have someone with a stick how are you going to get the puck away oh like, exactly so but I don't know. Jumping into the Rangers game, honestly, like if it wasn't for the third period, this this was a five nothing game at one point. If not for those two disallowed goals, yeah. Well, yeah. It's a it should have been five nothing kind of game. We had defensive breakdowns that resulted in these goals. Like personally, I know it got called back, but the second one for goalie interference, like uh, yeah, in the past moment, I was screaming, "That's goalie interference! That's goalie interference!" But. Watching it afterwards, I'd be a little chapped if they would have ended up calling that because he, like, bumped his stick a little bit. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I'm happy they did because it all worked out. But yeah. Edmonton did not play well at all in those first two periods. No. And part of the problem is Edmonton seems to be extremely struggling with momentum swings. In terms of when things should be swinging their way, it seems to go the opposite direction. Interesting. So, for example, with these called back goals, yeah, they the Rangers came back and scored almost immediately afterwards. Right. Yeah, when a goal gets called back against the other team, the other team should feel slightly dejected. You should feel relieved and come out and try harder because you're like, oh, they just like we just got saved by mm-hmm. the video, essentially. But instead, they come back on their heels and like, ah, it didn't count. We're fine. We're good to go. And like they didn't try harder. And meanwhile, the Rangers come out like frothing at the mouth ready to actually score a real goal yeah. so edmonton needs to figure that out because that's been a bit of an issue lately and you can see it with the way they've always played where they score mm-hmm. and then like i'm always on the edge of my seat for the next 30 seconds because i'm like oh the other team's probably gonna score and tie up the game i yeah, i think there's a bit of a discrepancy when it actually happened in the the game last night against florida but it was the same kind of thing uh i know i'm jumping ahead here but uh, Tyson Berry scored at five minutes of the third to give him the lead, and then it was like bang bang for Florida. Yeah, like it's yeah yeah. It's I never thought of that, but that's a good point. Like it does seem that the Oilers uh, seem to be you know when when they should be taking advantage and you know you know hunting for that for that. Uh, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Just some sort of like motivation, like advantage. That's that's well, a yeah, better one. You have to use the ice tilt. Yeah, right? there you like, go. The ice tilt is a thing. You get the pressure. You get them on their back foot. You get them a little scared sometimes, whether it's through your skill or through your physicality or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Edmonton just hasn't been doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other things just wanted to, before we get into the goals and stuff, uh, what was your well? It, it's kind of combined with it, but what was your overall thought? Because I thought that the Fogel, McLeod, Holloway line was dynamite. I was so so excited to see that going into Florida because I love that line. I was extremely happy to see all of them doing very well together because mm-hmm. that gives us an effective scoring third line, right? Which so far this season and 
historically over the past like 15 years, we've been lacking that. Yeah. So I was excited to see them having some chemistry together. And it's extremely unfortunate that somewhere in this game, McLeod got injured and Fogel got injured. I so, so now this is three guys that are sitting out on our team right now that I cannot pinpoint like a time where they got hurt in the, the game. The ghost injuries? Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on. Maybe they're playing some soccer in the back room say, after the game or something, but... Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I have no idea. It was... Uh, I, I was shocked to see that that news. But, I mean, it, it's weird because, I mean, the best line that the Oilers had in, in New York was that line, and two-thirds of the line's out the next day. Yeah, like, well, the, the Fogel one I understood. I believe, if I remember correctly, he got hurt or he went down the tunnel. And then came back to the bench, but didn't play another shift for like the last few minutes of the game. Gotcha. Um, but McLeod, that one was very surprising, especially because he went straight to IR. Mm-hmm. So that didn't really make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, jump. Let's jump into the goals. Uh, Bouchard, like he's been firing the puck, and I knew as soon as he gets one, like they're gonna come in bunches. Um, I didn't expect them to come this closely together. No, 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 definitely not. I figured like maybe one this game, maybe one two games for now, but three in the last two games for uh, for Evan Bouchard. Um, well, and they're not just any goals. No, they're not like picking up the sixth goal in a five to, or six one game or something like that. Yeah, these are timely goals, and they are what this team needs. Yeah, because there's way too much pressure on the top line to produce all the time. If it's not somebody named Dreisaitl, McDavid, Nuge, Hyman, mm-hmm. and Kane when he's in, then the team's not scoring, essentially. Yeah, uh, it's very true, very true. But it all came off the back of that third line we were talking about, having a hell of a shift, great cycle, and eventually getting the puck to Bouchard, who finally finds a way to get the puck through a goddamn crowd. <laughs> Well, he gets the first one, and then it's like, oh, this is how you do it. Here's another one. Yeah, well, and that other one, too, it's a similar situation with that third line grinding, but he was falling over and just, like, let, like, a wild <laughs> wrister fly at the net or a wild one-timer. Yeah. And it just beat Sorokin. Just or not Sorokin, Shesterkin. Yeah. Which is crazy, because Shesterkin is a great goalie, and realistically, neither one of those should have beat him. No, he, he's been... Uh... He's been fighting the puck lately. Oh, don't um, even get me started. He's on my fantasy team. He drives me insane. <laughs> but and you could read it in his um, comments after the game. Yes, he's dejected. That was, that was like depressing to read. It was kind of like reading Jack Campbell's comments about how he was talking, how he was yeah. p- playing pathetically in his own words. Didn't didn't wasn't there a comment like last night too? Like he said that goalie sucked ass again. Like yeah, I think it might have been the comment last night that he left. But he had played, like, another game, and he also played poorly. Yeah, yeah. And then he was just like, yeah, I'm playing like ass. Like, I can't believe this. I'm embarrassed. All this kind of shit. And I think it goes back to the Edmonton game because I'm sure he feels a lot of that on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. Because realistically, all three of those goals, if they were scored on an Edmonton goalie, we'd be sitting here ripping them apart, honestly. (laughs) Well, it's funny you mention that because you you jump into the Holloway goal, and I'm going to chalk it up as a win for Dylan. Um, But, like... That's that's a puck you gotta stop. Well, like, in a one goal game as a previous Vesna winning goalie last yeah. year, like the reigning Vesna winner, that's not a goal that you want to see him let in any day of the week. Yeah, but what a shot still by Holloway. Yeah, quick. and he finally did it. I know it's it, for all the shit that he's gone through the start of his like NHL career. It's nice to see him just get a goal on what should be a stoppable puck. Like, 
well, that's the way that it was going to go. And I'm just happy it was that and not like a random deflection off yeah. his ass or something like that with him standing in front. Yeah. So at least he could score, know he scored right away and celebrate and feel like, yes, I was the one who scored that goal. And hopefully like, you know, when his, his days are long done in the NHL, he can look back and be like, holy shit, my first goal was off this guy. Yeah. Like a future hall of famer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, tie game heading into the end of the, um, end of the third. And the Oilers' power play is just Leon Dreisaitl is captain clutch. I know, I know, like, Connor McDavid has done some unbelievable things for this team, but it always seems like we're, we've got a ticking clock, and Leon Dreisaitl just finds a way to bury the game. Dreisaitl's just, I don't know, next level sometimes. It, it like, was funny, the pass that Nuge made in that seam, it, I don't know if he just, like, if I throw it to this side of the net, because they went through, like, three different sets of legs. Not sets of legs, but three different legs. But um, I, I don't know if just in his head he's like, I'm going to throw it to this area because I know Dreisaitl is going to be there. He's being stick-checked. His stick didn't even leave the ice. Like, he he's, he couldn't shoot the puck in. He just redirected it in. Yeah. And it was just like he just outworked him for that goal. Well, he outmuscled him. He used his, his advantage, which is his size and his strength, which, hey, if he can stand there and not even move and it just goes off his stick and in, then that's just good play. You got you got a brain on your shoulders right there if you can have your stick in the right position because that's another thing this team needs is have your stick in the right spot and good things will happen. <laughs> and I, I mean I can't I can't go without saying nothing gets me more rock hard than Leon Dreisaitl being petty after he scores. That stick toss like Truva's stick right out of his hands. I didn't even see it in the heat of the moment because I was too excited that they scored. Uh, um, but afterwards, I watched that replay and I was like, like I hated it, but I loved it at the same time. How much do you think the New York Rangers hate Leon Dreisaitl? Like these past two games that they've played against Edmonton. I don't understand how the team like lets that fly. Usually if somebody were to do that after a goal, like I'm pretty sure they were all in shock yeah. and just didn't know how to react. But, like, if that happened to, like, our team after a goal, I'd be like, you go and beat the shit out of that mm-hmm. guy. Like, I don't give a fuck what happens. Yeah. But Drysaddle just seems to do that kind of shit all the time. Well, and when you know that there's not a Ryan Reeves sitting on the bench anymore, like, do you take advantage of that? Yeah, like, I read a comment because if anybody doesn't know, the Rangers previously traded for Ryan Reeves, mostly as a Tom Wilson deterrent. And he's more recently has been traded away to Minnesota. Um and part of the reason people were commenting on that is they're like, Tom Wilson's been injured all year. It's like, I think the Rangers forgot <laughs> like that Tom Wilson is a problem and phys- the physicality of other teams is going right. to be a problem. Yeah. And when that shit happens, they're probably like, fuck, I wish we had Ryan Reeves here right now. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, he was definitely someone that I penciled in if the Oilers are going to continue to get bullied around. And if, you know, Kane is going to be out for a long time, I, I don't know, but it was interesting to see him go to Minnesota of all places. I yeah. Didn't... Well, and just recently he, after the trade, he had to delete uh, the tweet or his picture that he had on his Twitter as his backdrop, which was the one of him punching Marcus Foligno, I believe, <laughs> in the face because he's like, well, now we're on the same team. So I can't have that as my Twitter like banner. That's not going to work. That's got to be an amazing conversation when he walks in the room. Hey. Yeah. He's like, oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that pretty much takes care of the, the Rangers game, at least from my notes anyway. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll jump into the, uh, the Florida game, obviously with the injuries that occurred in, 
Oh, the ghost injuries, if that's what we want to call them. Left a couple holes in the lineup um, and uh, made made room for James Hamblin to come in. Um, I think he was the only insert into the game because Benson was, he's activated, but he's not in. Yeah, he's on the active roster um, because they put they finally put Yamamoto on IR and they finally put, uh, or they not finally, but they did put McLeod on IR. So that opened up a couple roster spots. Okay. So they were able to call up Hamblin and uh, Benson. Explain this to me like I'm five. The difference between all of these day-to-day injured reserve, LTIR, like we can keep, from my understanding, we can keep basically the day-to-day players that they're not counting as an active player. Technically, they are on the active roster. Okay. So if you're like day-to-day ill, healthy scratch or whatever, you're on the active roster, so the 23-man roster. So in order to call up another player to fill out your roster... They have to go to IR. They, you have to go to IR. Gotcha. But if you go to IR, that means you have to miss a minimum of seven days of hockey from your injury date. So you can put them retroactive. So, so for example, with Yamamoto, right. they retroactively put him on IR to November 8th. So that's the game that he last played where he got injured. Okay. So theoretically, they could say they did that on like the 13th of November. He could come back on the 15th and be fine. So currently, he can come back at any time. He so could play tomorrow. It's it's the point of just freeing up room if they need to call someone up. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously there's LTIR, which actually isn't technically a thing. Apparently that's just the term that everybody uses. <laughs> so the actual term for LTIR is called the bona fide long term injury slash illness exception. There you go. So whatever the fuck that means. (laughs) But the reason it's called the exception, essentially, is that um, the LTIR, or long-term injury relief, is the idea behind it. Not that it is reserve, it is relief. So keep that in mind. It just gives you cap relief. So it allows you to exceed the cap, assuming you're up to the cap by that amount. And then there's obviously time restraints on that and game restraints, which is 24 calendar days and 10 NHL games. It's not either or. So if you put them on like LTIR, for example, over, let's say, the All-Star break, where they don't play for a week, right? then they still have to play 10 games after, or they have to miss 10 games after that before they could be reactivated. Right. So I guess looking at the, the whole Evander Kane situation, um, I just wanted to make that clear because... Depending on when Evander Kane is out, if he comes back off of LTIR, back into the active roster, if we go out and make any roster changes by then, we're subject to be cap compliant if he comes back in the regular season. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why people are like, (laughs) should we pull a Kucherov? What should we do here? (laughs) Exactly. Um, Thank you for clearing that up, which kind of brings me into the the call-up. So that obviously allows James Hamlin to come in. What a freaking cool story. Considering everything he's gone through in his personal life, the loss of his mom, getting a chance to play in the city that he grew up playing hockey in. Like, what a shout-out to the SSAC um, Hockey Club. And just looking at the fact you've got three active Edmonton Oilers on the team that played on the same Bantam AAA team, like, nine years ago. Well, it'll be really cool to see if Benson can get into the game. Yeah. Because then all three of them will be playing on the same NHL team at the same time. Yeah. Just crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, so that, that was a cool story heading into that. And, of course, uh, we had a bunch of uh, presentations on that special night. Uh, you have notes here on the Turtle Island jersey. What did you think about them? I thought they were really cool. So did I. I would love to see 
as like assuming they would allow us to do so to see those as like a third jersey yeah. somehow like as a like maybe once they get away from the reverse retro jerseys they have just like a third style jersey that you could do like a one time special jersey that's one thing that i really wish the nhl did mm-hmm. that you see all the time in like the chl for example is they have like theme nights right where they right. have like the teddy bear toss night where they're wearing like weird teddy bear kind of jerseys or you have i think i've seen star wars night where they're wearing like the way teams wearing like stormtrooper with the like the logo on it but there's yep. like stormtrooper style jerseys and it's really cool and i wish the nhl would do that well yeah like you look at the game that ethan bear had in edmonton they had to get special permission from the nhl to have his name written in Cree on the back of his jersey for one game well i think like, part of it is the the sanctity that yeah. they believe but now they're starting to put ads on jerseys so at this point i don't believe they give a shit no kidding as long as they make money well that's the thing like think of how much more revenue you're gonna bring in from having these yeah. specialized jerseys and all the things you can capitalize off of i mean as long as it's not like cheesy shit like well i'm talking about how they're selling out jerseys now i'm just picturing like toys r us night where it's just like <laughs> that's what i mean a special yeah. toys r us jersey that looks like <laughs> the fucking giraffe or whatever is the mascot for that yeah uh okay let's get into the florida game uh get the elephant out of the room early darnell nurse on the first goal what are you doing <laughs> that, that's all i can say and it was the biggest head shake I've had in a while. Yeah. Like, outside of overtime, this might have been the shakiest game I've seen from Nurse since he was injured in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it kind of adds to the narrative that he's been struggling this year. Yeah, I think he's struggling. Like, I want to talk about Nurse for a little bit here because uh, right now, and Okay, I got to clear this up by saying that his contract is what it is. It was market price. You, what are you going to go to him and be like, he should have said, oh, no, I don't want to make that much money. Like, he's going to take it. He's going to take it. That was the market price. The Oilers wanted to keep him. He wanted to stay. That's what you pay. But I think when you're looking at it as a business and as a team, uh, it's a professional sports team. I think you're getting more value for the contract out of Tyson Berry than Darnell Nurse right now and I know they're not comparable players yeah technically speaking I would say on a per dollar basis yeah Barry is probably more valuable than Nurse but on that same note Barry isn't worth his contract still in my opinion <laughs> that's yeah that, I, can, so, I can live with that I don't know if that's just extra detriment or detrimental <laughs> for Nurse and be like okay your contract really fucking sucks but with that being said yeah he's just he's struggling yeah it was tough to watch that, but I, I think he kind of redeemed himself slowly through the rest of that game. Um, I don't. Yeah. I still don't think you're going to get back whatever that first goal was. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody expects that. I think it was just kind of a kick in the nuts that it was fucking Kachuk who scored yeah. just after yeah. all the booing. He does the fucking ear thing, and everyone's like fucking losing their minds. I'm yeah. sitting there. I'm like speechless yeah because all i could do is look at nurse and be like what the fuck <laughs> and it's it funny because him and skinner skinner had a little talk afterwards because nurse was sitting there obviously dejected because he was well aware of the mistake he made mm-hmm. and i think skinner was like it's okay man it happens don't worry about it we all do that he's like probably like remember when i gave the puck away a few games ago it's like oh that was embarrassing for me just remember yeah. that yeah exactly Exactly. Uh, I thought the Oilers tied it up right after with the Hyman goal. And all it took is like one reapply to be like, oh, yeah. All you saw is that little like flick of his skate. And you're like, 
Yeah, that's probably a kick. If you go back and I rewatched the highlights before we started recording, when he scored, you could see it all over his face. <laughs> Just no celebration. <laughs> yeah, like, but- Hyman is a very, like, visually emotional guy when he scores. You see his excitement. And you didn't really see that on his face at all. <laughs> and then they did zoom in on him while they were reviewing it. And he just like made a face and he was like shaking his head. He's like, that's, I don't think it's going to count, man. <laughs> He's too honest. Yeah, He's too I'm honest. surprised he didn't go to the refs right after he scored. He'd be like, sorry, boys, doesn't count. It's not in. It's not in. But it's important to note that's also his second kick goal of the year. Well, so we might need a separate stat tracker for Hyman kick goals this I season. I still think you should be able to kick the puck, like, kick the puck in. As long as your skate doesn't leave the ice. You know why they don't let you kick? Well, like probably that? some danger. I'm well, assuming. yeah. And like, that's probably why you have the, like, don't let your skate leave the ice thing. So some guy doesn't, goalie's not covering the puck. Some guy comes and boots the fucking goalie <laughs> with the skate. Yeah. Speaking of which, I saw some video or oh, whatever I was just going to talk about that. Holy yeah. shit. Oh, well, like, we'll, we'll get into that afterwards. I'll just add it to my notes so we don't forget. But oh. like, yeah, I, I'm curious if they would allow some sort of kicking or like, and they always say the kicking motion. So obviously that means you're doing something with your skate that is like directing the puck in. So you could deflect with your skate. You just can't kick it in. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, just gotta be more creative that. with your your skates. Yeah. <laughs> just be more elegant, I guess. I I think yeah, because if, if you do that, then they're gonna start talking about um, you know hand passes and using your hand to get it in the net or <laughs> head butting the puck in, <laughs> which exactly. we've seen. Um, but uh, it wasn't long afterwards, speaking of Hyman, who probably made the best uh, breakout pass out of all of our defensemen <laughs> to Connor McDavid for that uh, the tying goal. Hey, uh, that's not fair. I will just say that's the best breakout <laughs> pass so far this game. Because oh, yeah. there was also a great ba- breakout pass in overtime, which that's, we'll get to when we get there. That's true. That is very true. Uh, more men on the gu- or more men on the ice. I will. I'll just defend that. But um, Connor McDavid shoveled that so hard, like into the back of the net. Like he almost took the net off its moorings with like a backhand. Yeah, he backhanded that with some authority. <laughs> and I was uh, I was commenting to my friend is like he's just showing Pujarvi and Hyman how to raise the puck. <laughs> because there was a couple times this game where they had some great chances, but they couldn't get the puck off the ice. And McDavid just makes it look effortless. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, pretty impressive. Uh, we jumped to the third. Tyson Berry, uh, I'm hoping that my comparison isn't just like recency bias because of the, the way he's been playing like in the last couple of games. But um, I like when he kind of floats around the zone, like when the Oilers have control. Like, who expected he like him to be the guy sneaking up and putting a tap in in the slot? I feel like that's one of multiple this year that he's had where he's randomly been, like, backdoor. Yeah. And you're like, Barry, how did you get there? What is happening? Yeah. And it's it's similar to when they played the one four-on-three, I remember, a few games back where Bouchard was the net front presence. And you're like, <laughs> what is happening? But part of that is just Barry's offensive instincts. And it really showed on that play where Drysaddle carried the puck back to the point along the boards. And you see Barry, and rather than, like, hover on the point like some defensemen would, he mm-hmm. just skates right in and goes to the net. And he doesn't even think about it because he's just like, yeah, Drysaddle's got it. It's fine. Like, this is how I'm supposed to play. And Drysaddle, of course, throws it across the Kulak, who gets that shot away pretty quickly and gets it not even through it, hit a guy in front, and then bounces right onto Barry's stick. Yeah. Who just gets an easy little tap in. I don't think he thought he scored. Like, when you go back and look, I think he 
didn't realize till he heard the horn and everything. But like, well, it didn't look like he got much wood on the shot. He kind of almost like had his hands both pretty high up on the stick and was kind of reaching to get that poke to get it in. So I guess I shouldn't say it was an easy shot because he had some pressure too. But still, nonetheless, very nice goal, very well timed as well mm-hmm. to uh, give us the lead. Yeah, yeah, very cool uh, to see that. It's just one of those things that I think when the Oilers are are playing like that, they're a better team when they have active defensemen. But, I mean, they get burned a couple minutes later. We talk about that motivation. This is the dichotomy of Tyson Berry and, I guess, Brett Kulak in this case because it was three-on-two for Florida, and they just made it kind of look like a textbook tic-tac-toe right into the back of the net play. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one was a little bit on Kulak. I think he was just caught... Well, if you watch, like, Barry commits to the first man who has the puck on the left wing, and his he takes that guy, and then Kulak is kind of hovering on the far side guy and completely loses the third guy who crashes the net. Yeah. And even though he did commit to the far side guy, he probably shouldn't have because there wasn't time for him to get to him. And by the time the pass went to the guy who was out front of the net, he was already, like, he was six feet from the guy with the puck and six feet from the guy who scored mm-hmm. and just was kind of sitting there. And he's like, what the fuck do I do? And Barry, <laughs> of course, he didn't have time because it was such a quick passing play to go from reacting to the original puck carry to, to the guy out front. He, you could tell he tried and yeah. realized he's like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. But there was just no time to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's get into this debate here. Well, it might not be a debate. We'll see. Uh, the, the goal that got reviewed, the Montour goal, I knew right away as soon as I saw the the high stick. Like, I was kind of shocked that they they reviewed it. Like, Why were you shocked that they reviewed it? Well, because his stick was clearly below his shoulder when he. Well, I think this might have just been a like a momentary lapse, similar to myself, where I didn't fully understand the rule. Oh. Because for me, for example, yeah, I always thought it was crossbar, no matter what. Gotcha. It's gotcha. always crossbar. But as Louis said on the broadcast, yeah. It's only crossbar if the puck goes directly into the net. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's shoulder. And I think Jack Michaels was talking about it too. And it was still debatable. It was like right at the shoulder line. It was close. But to overturn the goal, it clearly wasn't conclusively above the shoulders. That's, I think, why I was shocked is like if it was a little bit higher, like it's weird because his his stick, when he connects with the puck, it's, I'm going to say a shoulder if not lower. Um, but his stick was a little bit higher at the moment. So I could see, like, maybe they just didn't have time. Of course, they're making this, like, real-time decision. So I, I don't know. I just, with the uh, the whole, like, timingness of the game, maybe you have to take a chance on that call. Um, but, I mean, it kind of was what it was. It just kind of sucked to see, you know, Matt Kachuk get another bit of benefit here in Edmonton. Yeah, I was pretty confident because they wanted to review it that, they had an angle that it was above, like Same. in my opinion, it was the crossbar at the time, but uh, that they must have had an angle that was above the shoulder, just because in the Rangers game they were pretty. The video coach and Woodcroft were essentially the MVPs of the game, yeah. having two Rangers goals called back, just because of like the littlest minor offside, like get a magnifying glass and you still can barely tell it's offside, right? And then the barely kind of nudge them goaltender interference, which. I don't think every coach would have cha- challenged both of those, if not either. So when they challenged this one, I was like, oh, this must be, like, guaranteed it's high stick. And maybe that's why I was so heated when it got called back. I was like, no, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. 
Well, and uh, what is like a kick to the balls after that is you go straight back to the penalty kill, and I was like, this is this is game. Like this might be it. Um, but maybe the dumbest thing in the entire like week of hockey that I've seen a too many men penalty on the power play while you have the lead with two minutes left in the game. I, I would be fucking losing my mind on the bench. How did that even happen? They had uh, so they had five guys on the ice. I don't know if they saw one guy coming off, but you could see they're heading up ice, and a defenseman jumped on while they have control of the puck. Yeah, and he got basically to the like face-off circle, like in center ice. And he's like, "Oh shit, I shouldn't be on," and he darted back. And I'm like, "How how do you do that?" Like. That's just nuts. Uh, well, I'm assuming somebody must have tapped him on the bench and told him to go on yeah. or something like that. Maybe they thought somebody was going to change and he just didn't. So this kind of brings me up to my question about the Oilers. They It's four on four for whatever, and they get the power play five on four with about a minute and a half left, I think it was. Yep. And they had a minute left. Um, I, I'm perplexed. I can think of one reason why. But I don't understand why the fuck Stuart Skinner's still in that net the entire power play. Well, I'm guessing, like you said, the one reason why. Just the dumps? Like well, the yeah. free Yeah, you get a free dump? shots yeah. at the empty net. And yeah. I think I would trust the team on a five on four power play. Our power play is quite good. So like to what extent does six on four make that much of a difference? I think what made it a little bit more frustrating is watching how they just couldn't find anything on that. Like they passed the puck I don't know how many times around the kind of the umbrella and like just no looks. It's true. And, but to be fair, they did have possession like for pretty much the entire last right. two minutes. Part of which was because Barry kept the puck in yes. multiple times with yes. some great plays. Um, like I, I swear they had like a hard shot right, right out of the slot to try and clear the zone. And Barry just like picks it off perfectly mm-hmm. and just keeps possession and keeps the pressure on. Yep. I, and uh, ultimately, that ended up resulting in an offensive zone faceoff. Exactly. Yeah. Which uh, was what nine seconds left in the game? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, they pulled the goalie with two seconds left, and they had the second power play unit on, and I was like, oh, like this. It just felt like a bad setup for the end of the game. But luckily, they get that um, that last faceoff, and man. I have to walk it back because a couple weeks ago I was shitting on how the Oilers, they take the draw, and when they lose draws, it's because it's a toss-up puck and nobody's going for it. Exactly. Like, And in this case, Edmonton, I think they actually lost that face-off, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And they had great puck support. Maybe it was just having the extra man on the ice that made the difference, but Hyman went in there and grinded it out and managed to knock the puck loose, and McDavid just no-look passes... To he had to have known they must have talked about it like you're going to be right here. I know it was like just blind faith. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And Bouchard now I would say officially has the monkey off his back. It is no longer a fluke. He he's back to his offensive ways and just makes no mistake and buries it. Yeah, that was unbelievable. I couldn't believe that. I was sitting, I was in bed and uh, watching the game, and when they scored, I like jumped up. I couldn't believe that they came back with. You know, the nine seconds that they had. I just figured that they set themselves set themselves up so poorly for the end of that penalty. Like this this it's done. But Well, when's the last time Edmonton scored a last minute goal? Well yeah. Yeah. Or like, even not a last minute. I think they had one of those this year where they actually won the game. 
mm-hmm. because they scored. It was like the game winning goal. Yeah. But the last time they scored a less than 10 seconds, like game time goal, I can't even remember. Usually if they pull the goalie, I'm just kind of like, well, they're probably not going to score. Like realistically, but they proved me completely wrong. So the face off that got one and then that shot with five seconds left or whatever it was. I, I still had, like, I could feel my heart flutter because it was like a bouncing, rolling puck. I was like, what's going to happen here? But uh, obviously getting into overtime, it's like one of those things. It's like, if we can get to overtime, I'm 90% confident we're going to win this game. Well, I'm very curious. I want to look this up. What Edmonton's win rate is since McDavid and Dreisaitl have been playing on this team together in overtime? Yeah. And, like, let's just say it's a draw if it goes to a shootout. So, like, wins, losses, draws. Because I swear to God, they are the most disgusting three-on-three combo with Nurse too. It's just, it's just unfair. Honestly, yeah. yeah. What out of all of the good things that happened to Matthew Kachuk in this game, the best was the the pick that he ate in the corner in overtime i could watch that on repeat just watching him eat shit in that corner over and over and over again as soon as i saw him fall i was like oh fuck yeah and what composure like i'm going to give him props even though he had the bad goal yeah earlier on like what composure by nurse to not only hold on to that puck as long as he did having sam bennett and kachuk like hovering and like buzzing all over him and making the heads-up play to see Kachuk fall and just turn and fire that puck up to Dreisaitl. And that's where I wanted to get into that. Like, that's that might be the best stretch pass of the game right there. Okay, I'll give I'll give that. It definitely uh, impacted the game more. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I the two-on-one, it's it's automatic. I would I would be curious to see what the, the conversion rate is of those guys on a two-on-one. I'm going to try and look that up for next week's podcast Kay. so I can have that stat ready. Because it's got to be something sickening. Oh, I feel like at this point it's a little ridiculous. I think there might have been one year where we were a little shaky in OT, where for some reason we couldn't get it done. But uh, otherwise, it's been ridiculous. There's a reason why at the end of every year, Edmonton has like no loser points. Yeah. Because we win in overtime. (laughs) Yeah. So the Oilers wrap up uh, 4-3 win in overtime on Indigenous Celebration Night. Uh, Just a great night all around. That was probably one of my favorite games to watch this year oh it was fantastic yeah um just some other n- notes i'm gonna defer to you because i know you found this out i i didn't hear anything about the clem costin stuff so yeah i was just reading that apparently clem costin will not play tomorrow because of getting his official like permanent work visa so currently he's been on a temporary one for the past little while so he was able to go into the u.s and play a few games but he's finally getting that all figured out, so he will not be playing against Chicago because he's gone. And then he might play in Minnesota when they travel to Minnesota, depending on how long it takes. I've never had to deal with visas, so yeah. the process, from what I'm aware of, though, is absolute bureaucratic nonsense. <laughs> so, Because he he hasn't played a home game, has he? Oh, I'm trying to think if whether or not he has, but I'm not sure. I so I wonder what visa is holding him up. That's interesting. Maybe he just, well, like you had mentioned, it's a, a temporary one, so maybe he just expired. So, um, yeah, other n- news and notes, the Oilers have a back-to-back, uh, very, very quick homestand. Uh, they uh, they go to Chicago on Wednesday, Thursday in Minnesota. Uh, they'll wrap up with Montreal on Saturday. Thank God we have a freaking like, Hockey Night in Canada game at 8 o'clock. 
it'll it'll be nice. That's that's the one thing is there's is it at eight o'clock? I it fucking better. I'm be. pretty sure it's not. <laughs> Because I specifically have a note here that says no 8 p.m. games this week. Hang on. Oh, it's 5 p.m. Why the fuck are we playing a home game at 5 p.m.? Because it's against Montreal? I don't know. Get the fuck out of here, NHL. It's because it's against Montreal. I don't give a shit. (laughs) It's a Saturday. It's fine. It's a Saturday, but we got to bend over backwards to the eastern side of Canada because they can't stay up till 10 to watch the start of a... Yeah, I wouldn't stay up either. That's a good point. (laughs) If it was during the week, I wouldn't stay up. If it's on the weekend, I'd stay up. But Uh, at least it's not a matinee. That's true. I think we're out of our matinee curse for... A little while here. When's the next hockey night in Canada, like prime time game that we actually get? And I say prime time, our time. No, Saturday, two o'clock against Anaheim. Nice. Uh, 8 p.m. December on, yeah, uh, New Year's Eve against That's Winnipeg the next at 8 p.m. One? Yeah. New Year's Eve? Yeah, well, besides the 2 p.m. game against Anaheim, that would be it. Holy fuck. So. By the way, we play Seattle on Friday, December 30th, and Tuesday, January 3rd. So, and with that Winnipeg game squished in the middle there. These fucking schedulers. <laughs> what a what a garbage. Um, before we move on to anything else, though, or wrap up, <laughs> there was the one thing that we wanted to talk about, that viral kicking video or whatever that was on Twitter. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, if anybody never saw that, it was essentially from what I gather... It was a high school hockey game where the comments I was reading was that the kid who was being attacked was they were killing a five on three penalty. Mm -hmm. And he was the defenseman on the ice during that five on three. He was the only defenseman who was on and he killed the entire two minute five on three as the defenseman. And apparently he was doing very well at doing that. And let's just say frustrating the other team to which point the, uh, aggressive player lost his cool and took him down to the ice and started booting him with his skate on yeah yeah which as a teammate like i might go full-on like wwe edge like spear style right through the boards if i saw someone doing that too well it's funny you say that because you see his teammate come flying in and he just dives at him yeah well the goalie like props to the goalie comes over and like covers his teammate who was getting attacked and like was laying on top of him probably a checking to see if he was okay and b trying to stop the impending horde that was coming for that guy did you hear anything like how it shook out like is the kid okay i believe he's okay i don't think he actually suffered any injuries i think he got like kicked in the ribs with the first kick and the other one glanced kind of off his helmet so he, I think he managed to escape with no injuries. Yeah, it's like getting in a fist fight with a chef with a knife in his hand. Like, Well, and like this boils down to things like, let's just say the Bertuzzi incident, for example, is at what point do you get the authorities involved in yeah, these kind of things? Yeah, illegal, yeah. Because I would say blades on the bottom of your foot should be considered a weapon in some yeah. cases. Yeah. Like, obviously in a situation like Maroon and Kane, you're not going to press charges it was clearly an accident but let's just say it's like a happy gilmore situation it's like oh i I took my skate off and tried to stab a guy (laughs) yeah like that's i would say that's press charge worthy and it's similar to like a player taking their stick and like baseballing a guy in the back of the head or in the Mm -hmm. face with it like there's certain things where you're clearly going over the line well wasn't donald brashear like uh well that's what i was thinking was the donald brashear thing yeah 
And like like I mentioned, the Bertuzzi and Moore thing, it's like the intent to injure where it's clearly mm-hmm. like you're actively taking a weapon of some kind, whether it's your fists, your stick, your skates, and you're trying to hurt somebody. Yeah. And yeah, to my knowledge, like that kid who attacked him, he's done. Yeah, you're like, done hockey, sorry. He might go to prison, honestly. From what I'm aware, they're pressing charges. Well, yeah. So. Like, ugh. Yeah, that was, I couldn't believe, I couldn't, like, watch the entire thing. I know I talked about my gore, like, theater, but, like, as soon as I saw the foot swinging, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, like, it's it's insane. And, yeah, if that was in the NHL, I would certainly hope that that player would be, like, banned from the league, honestly. Like, there's certain certain places you just don't go to. Yep. Yep. Time to uh, sit in timeout for, for quite a while. <laughs> I think timeout might be underselling it a little yeah, bit, a little but bit. I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I don't think I have any other notes uh, other than the fact that we might record again next week on Tuesday. It just, the turnaround is these Monday games. It's what throws us off. Yeah, I'm thinking based off of the schedule, it'll probably be Tuesday for the next few weeks. Um, yeah. Just because I believe we don't play on a Monday until around Christmas. And who knows, we might end up taking a week off or something around right. Christmas just for the holidays. Yeah. But otherwise, we play every Monday um, until then. So uh, I'd be pretty safe to say that if there's a game on Monday, you're going to get the episode Wednesday morning. Yeah, that's that's the most likely scenario. And if there's Unless a game it's on... like back-to-backs kind yeah. of things on a Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. But other than that... Let's hope this team continues the friggin' road that they're on because these gutsy wins that they're starting to push forward with is really starting to, uh, I think, build an identity with this team. Well, I'd appreciate it if they didn't give you a fucking heart attack every game. Yeah, but maybe start with, like, you know, a win where you lead the entire game. Yeah, exactly. That'd be great. Yeah.